Welcome to the Walkie Talkie Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And we are going to talk you some walkies. Mm-hmm. So we have just watched Season 7, Episode 13, Bury Me Here. And uh, I think what we'll do is the same format that we did last time. I thought that worked pretty well. Where yeah, we uh, give some some immediate thoughts... Uh, but we don't give a numerical rating until the end after we've gone over the episode chronologically and had some opportunity to influence one another's thoughts. Yeah. So, Matt, why don't you lead the way? Okay. I liked this episode. Did not love this episode. But I liked this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so I... It's hard... This episode is so hard for me to judge. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what it is about it. it. I think it's because of the amazing performance that uh, the actor who plays Morgan gives. Lenny James. Lenny James. Mm-hmm. Up against some of the good and some of the bad of the episode. Some of the current issues that I have with The Walking Dead, along with some things that I feel like they did right in yeah. this episode. I feel like as far as a standalone story where, you know, they're not jumping between stories like we usually like, it was paced well. So, yeah, okay. that, that's kind of where I stand with it. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't like this episode. Um, I wanted to like it. Because I like Morgan. Mm-hmm. And, but, yeah, like normally when I go to watch the episode a second time, because that's what I've been doing since we started doing the podcast, is I feel mm-hmm. like each episode deserves at least two watches. Mm-hmm. First one, I just watch it. Second time, I take notes. And uh, when I went to watch this one the second time, I, like, didn't even want to. Hmm. Um, and... Yeah, and when I watched it the second time, whereas sometimes a second viewing um, makes me appreciate the episode more, the second viewing this time actually made me appreciate it less. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we'll uh, get into that. I, I've i noticed reading online reviews that my opinion does not seem to be the, the majority. A lot of people thought this was a really good episode. I also agree with you that Lenny James is a great actor and he did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just had a lot of um, a lot of uh, frustrations with the episode. I I did think it was pretty slow paced. I felt mm-hmm. like nothing happened for the first half. And actually, my experience of the episode was tainted by the fact that our cable dropped out right during the most intense scene during the whole episode. No. <laughs> Um, and that was extremely frustrating. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, that could ruin it. Yeah, but w- even when I watched it back, I, like, the cable came back right when we saw who got shot. Like, I didn't know, I knew somebody was going to get shot. I didn't actually see the moment when it happened. Oh, um, yeah. But the cable came back on by the time the commercials were over and we were finding out that uh, Benjamin had been shot. And but there Did was you no- see it in the second viewing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but there was what? 
there was no surprise for me in that. I mean, I, sure. I totally saw that coming. I, I think yeah. we all did. So, but anyway, yeah. And I don't know if it's just partially like uh, state of mind with, with other things, just feeling like it's hard for me to get into this episode. But um, yeah, I would say this is like the episode that I least enjoyed since the second half of the season started. Okay. Um, I will say this. I didn't even watch it a second time mm-hmm. where the past couple times I have mm-hmm. uh, done a repeat viewing and usually I take notes first watch and mm. second watch I just enjoy it okay um, because usually the thoughts that I have instinctually pop off really clear to me when I first watch it and then the second time I could just enjoy it mm. this time I didn't take notes the first time because I took mental notes that seemed to be sufficient enough because it was so empty okay. of like really key things. <clears throat> yeah. And uh in that sense it was sort of boring. So I, yeah. I see your point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take it from the top with mm-hmm. what I thought was the shortest and most uneventful cold open I've ever seen on The Walking Dead. <laughs> So weird. Just uh, placing a singular melon in the back of a truck. Watching it the second time, I was thinking, "That's couldn't someone just hold that melon?" Right. There were. It was like ritualistic. Right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> the melon getting placed inside this special container, which that's going to slide around in the back of a truck with nothing else around. So they've got to <laughs> like tie it down, and then yeah. It just seemed like overkill. I think it's also important to note that this is a Scott Kimple written episode. Is it? Huh. Okay. Yep. And I have some thoughts about that we'll get to. Okay. <laughs> so uh, not much to say about that uh, cold open. Except uh, for the fact that it was a, it was a flashback as well. And it ruins the surprise later. That well, like... I mean, it's it's ambiguous enough that I, I mean, I, I it didn't spoil anything for me. <laughs> it didn't. No. When I when I heard him say um, that uh, there was only eleven and he wanted twelve, I was like, oh well, there that was a flashback. They're gonna go get another one later. <laughs> right. Yeah. So all the people I saw in the flashback. I knew we were going to be okay. Or Oh, I see. Okay. Or the flash forward. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the flash yeah, yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So after that, uh, next thing we get is uh, Carol can't sleep. Looks like she's having a bad dream or something. Mm-hmm. Um, she wakes up. She has a cigarette. She's upset. Right. Um, and Everything I, she did was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was... uh, As usual. Yeah, her stuff was good. (coughs) Um, See uh, Morgan teaching Benjamin's younger brother how to use a staff. So, I felt like Benjamin's death was telegraphed really strongly. Like, it was foreshadowed that it was going to happen. 100%. And... I think I said in one of our previous podcasts, maybe it was one that actually (laughs) 
made it onto the podcast. Maybe it was one that was lost. <laughs> I'm not sure. But I swear I said that um, uh, Benjamin, I think he's going to die. I think I said yeah. something like, I don't want him to die, but I think he is going to die. Yeah. And uh, I have here that like, this is clue number one that Benjamin is going to die when Morgan okay. is just like, you want to be like your brother, right? And the kid's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I want to be like my brother. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as we can go throughout this, I can, I, I wrote down in my notes, like the clues that he's, he's going to go. Um, and it, it raised like a, a, a bigger issue for me with The Walking Dead, which is the problem of when you kill off a character how much do you foreshadow it? Because, like, in real life, obviously, people just die. You know, yep. there's it's there's not, like, this foreshadowing. A lot of the time, death just doesn't feel like, oh, yes, it was the time that that was supposed to happen. Right. Um, but at the same time, if you just kind of, like, kill off characters with the same amount of uh, randomness <laughs> that occurs in life, then it... It, the story lacks drama because it just feels mm-hmm. so um, abrupt. Yeah, so so um, random. So there's there's like a happy medium, I think, where mm-hmm. um, you you want to like have some hints narratively that mm-hmm. this is something that could happen or might is 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 going to happen, but not so much that you're not taken by surprise either. Right. And uh, and I I've got to imagine that is a hard thing to pull off. I, I remember thinking. You know, when Glenn had the fake dumpster death, Mm -hmm. um, that was an example of something that was foreshadowed a bit in the episode because you had Rick, um, what was it, Uh, Glenn Glenn calling Rick a dumbass for the first time since his initial appearance. And you had like all the stuff with Herschel's watch. um, And uh, it, it just seemed like they were kind of foreshadowing it in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still felt completely shocking to me when it happened. Like sure. I didn't see that coming at all. Um, and, and, and time wise, like it happened like just in the middle of the episode, you know, and then the, the episode just kept moving. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the fact that it happened when it did in the way it did, I think it led to its, um, the ambiguity about is he alive or is he, he not? And actually I, th- I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so anyway, I'm not, I don't know if I'm saying that's a good example or a bad example. I guess it's a good example of like making it so that things are uncertain, but at the same time, somewhat telegraphed. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas the way that, hmm. the way that Glenn actually died, had it not been for the comics would have been totally random. Totally. Yeah. Other than his his look at the Savior's uh, little collage, photo collage. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. But yeah, that. I mean, that would have been just as much of a hint as anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, like Carl holding uh, the Colt with the, or the, the pistol with the, the uh, bat on it, things like that. Yeah. Um, I'll say this, when it comes to The Walking Dead... And foreshadowing deaths, I've never seen a show get so heavy-handed with it. Mm. I think they do it far too much. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a balance, like you say, and then there's The Walking Dead. 
that just does it all the time. Um, yeah. And I think it's been happening more in the recent seasons than before. Uh, and personally, I like I like it random or subtle. Mm-hmm. In the recent past, usually what happens is we get all this foreshadowing in one episode and like a um, some sort of information dump about this person or just like an all of a sudden pull on the heartstrings for who this person is, even though we've never felt anything for him before in one episode. And then by the end of that episode, they die. And because we feel connected to that person or because we know the writers want us to feel connected to that person, we know he's going to, or she's going to die. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's the impression I get. Mm -hmm. And, and so all of the Richard stuff in this episode, I knew hands down he was dying hmm. because it was so heavy handed. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to that. I have a lot of thoughts about that. Okay. Well, I'll be honest. I actually did not see the Richard death coming in this episode. I thought that was what we were supposed to expect was going to happen. But I, well... I thought Benjamin was going to die. So that was not, that was not. You thought surprise. too much of the writers or you <laughs> thought too much of Scott Kimple, who was the writer for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. So yeah, clue number one is that Benjamin's little brother wants to be just like him. Yeah. Um, so Carol decides to walk to the kingdom. She wants to talk to Morgan about what really happened single-handedly takes care of a whole bunch of zombies along the way in uh, true-to-form Carol fashion. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, she finds Morgan. She's wondering, like, you know, why did Jesus bring everyone to the kingdom? Uh, wants to know if what Daryl said is true about everyone in Alexandria being okay. Um, and uh, she, he, he tells him, he, he tells her, talk to daryl about it yeah um he says we can go to alexandria today to talk to him which i thought was weird because he's not in alexandria and why would morgan think that daryl was in alexandria he doesn't know daryl's not he knew that daryl left to go see carol and then after that he's gone so okay. i'm okay. just guessing that he's yeah. assuming he's in alexandria but yeah i see your point so, right Pretty big hole. <laughs> Again, um, Scott Kimball. <laughs> killing it with the writing. So, um, oh yeah. And here comes probably the biggest clue of them all that Benjamin is going to die. He wants to go with Carol because he saw how awesome Carol was killing all those zombies. Carol says no, I assume because she just doesn't want to get attached to him or, yeah. So and she uh, hates kids. <laughs> So she uh, she tells him no, and he says, hey, I've got a drop to go to, but I don't have to go to the drop if I go with you. But Carol says, no, you can go to the drop and die. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> right. So, yes, clue number two. Then we see Richard. He's digging. He's got a backpack. Yep. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, we see uh, the carts 
Did we see well. the carts mm-hmm. then? Okay. Yeah, they're there. They're there already. Yeah. I thought that was nice because it's not like out of left field when it happens. Yes. Yeah. Although, I don't know what this says about me, but I was still confused when they came to the to the grocery carts in the street. And I was like, wait, did Richard do that? Or did somebody else do the carts? And he just did the... Anyway, I... Yeah, no, I, I think it was meant for, like, some people to catch it and some people not to. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just chance. Yeah. You know? But I agree with you that I like that they showed us in advance that it was him digging the grave so that when we had that experience of that moment, it wasn't more disorienting than it was. However, this is upsetting to me. Okay. That... Richard dug a grave that says, bury me here, when his whole plan all along was to uh, get something started with his saviors. And if they knew that he did that on purpose, his whole plan would have been moot. Oh, man. I didn't even think of that. So dumb. (laughs) Yes, I screwed all of you guys to make a point. Now bury me. Yeah, what? <laughs> How come I didn't think of that? That's so true. It would completely undermine everything, his sacrificial death that he is, you know. Yeah. That, oh. Yeah. I don't like this episode. And who's to say that, like, that that guy could have killed Richard and also killed someone else and killed someone else? But we know that with Negan, typically it's always... Someone else that's going to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was thinking of that. Why would Richard be so confident that he was the one that was going to die? Uh, it is true, and Richard points it out, that Gavin said, like, next time it'll be you. So there was sort of a promise that, like, if things go sideways, you're going to be the first one to die. So at least there yeah. was a little bit of a precedent for that. But I agree. It's tiny bit. Yeah, it's taking an enormous risk to do something like that, knowing the way that Negan and his people usually behave, and just knowing, you d- yeah, you don't know if you're going to be the only one. You mm-hmm. might be the first one, but, mm-hmm. and, w- w- you know, you can't predict how everyone around you is going to react when they see right. you getting killed. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerry could have taken out his axe and swung it. Mm-hmm. Someone else could have died. Like, it, I mean, things could have gone real sideways real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Richard's a fool. <laughs> I'm totally okay with him dying. And I'm okay with Benjamin dying. <laughs> I liked both of their characters and the actors that played them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. The, the actors, that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, anyway... Uh, Ezekiel's Ezekiel is watching some guy pick some melons. There's weevils in the garden. <laughs> and then there's this weird yeah. moment where a woman we've never seen before with the headscarf uh, comes and talks about how there's weevils in the garden and seems to be trying to have like a profound moment where she says something about you can rip it all up, but then it will all grow back again. And I just don't get, like, what that was really supposed to be about, and it really did nothing for me at all. Yeah, I mean, we know what it's really supposed to be about, right? Like, you can... Everyone can die in the kingdom, but you could always rebuild. People can get sacrificed. 
Is for that what it's what it's about? Because it seems like That's you could just thought. as easily be you can kill all the the saviors, but then they'll just come back again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's talking about the weevils would just come back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I think that was their point. Was like you could go to war, people will die, but you can still rebuild. However, okay. it did not land. Yeah, so fair enough. The weevils are the saviors. And the garden is the kingdom, Alexandria, whatever. Correct, yeah. Okay, all right, fair enough. But... Did she know when she was saying that what she was talking about? No, that was the thing, is she was delivering it in, like, this (laughs) very philosophical (laughs) undertone. And you're knowing as a viewer, you don't know anything about what's happening. You're just talking about a garden. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I didn't like that scene. No, I didn't either. Yeah. And then, like, Shiva growls. Mm-hmm. It's not even like he does anything. Like, he doesn't... He even says, like, Shiva likes you. And 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 then Shiva, gra- Shiva growls. She freaks out a little bit. Then he says, oh, Shiva likes you. And she's like, that's okay. And then later on, after she says her uh, um, weird comment, Shiva growls again. And then she's like... I just pissed my pants and then so she's going to leave. And I'm thinking like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like Shiva got up and ran towards her or anything like that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. That was just weird. (laughs) I did have a dream that, that they made uh, an animatronic Shiva. Oh yeah. For some scenes. I don't know. If they actually did or not, but that was in a dream of mine. Hmm. They should have yeah. brought Shiva to the drop. Dude, they should bring Shiva everywhere Yeah, when the saviors are around. Right. Well, I mean, I guess if the saviors have guns, they could probably pretty easily, easily kill Shiva. Oh, that's true. Uh, that would be sad. That would be sad. They shouldn't do that then. Yeah, way more sad than Richard dying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, Benjamin now has a picture for Morgan, which I could not make out what that was. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what kind of significance that held. So anyway, yeah, on Talking Dead, they they have like the little like um, uh, quiz after the show, and it says like, um, Benjamin handed Richard a painting of what? And you have a couple different options. And people seem to know, I think I'm remembering Talking Dead correctly. At some point, somehow, it was said that it was a painting of a, of a, a matador, I think, or a bull or something like that. But I could not see that at all. And I watched it on two different screens. And this is what I'm talking about when I said, like, there are moments when on The Walking Dead it will, like, focus in on something or there will be something you're supposed to look at. And it's like, that should be a visible thing. Yeah. That's just, like, a courtesy to the viewers that it's filmed such that we can actually see what you're showing us. and Not something that could be in a quiz. Right, right. (laughs) And, yeah, I I couldn't see it. And I don't know if that was supposed to symbolize something or if it was just random. If it was a matador and a bull, what does that even mean? Maybe, uh, like, Morgan is going to get angry and be like a bull. 
And it was the Matador. Richard? <laughs> That's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, oh, God. I don't know. I, I, maybe it wasn't supposed to symbolize anything. Maybe it was just maybe. that that was all he could find. But anyway, this is clue number three because yep. Benjamin is being nice and he got it from a girl. And so he's a hopeful he's a hopeful young man with prospects that are about to all be dashed. Because <laughs> nobody can be too happy on The Walking Dead. Right. In, in and this, Morgan. Oh, sorry. No, no, go. Well, maybe you can help me with this. It was in this episode that I it really hit me. Like, why is Morgan in the kingdom? Like, why is he setting up a little dorm room with, a, like, he didn't set out to go to the kingdom. He just kind of ended up there. Does, yeah, Does he Carol. feel, yeah. Why doesn't he go back to Alexandria? I well, think it's, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I think it's because when he got there with Carol and got her aid and everything, he realized that these people are safe. Not only that, but they're uh, they're kind of passive, and they're nonviolent. Um, and it's a place that has shelter, food, water, all that. And so I think for him, at the time, he wanted to stay there with Carol, make sure she's okay, and then he just kind of settled in and never left. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I guess if he found out about the situation in Alexandria with them being under the Savior's thumb so much, like he wouldn't really want to go back there, right? Yeah, but, who wants to go back and save your friends? Yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, so. Uh, Morgan and Richard have a, a little talk here um, where we find out about how Richard had a family and uh, he didn't act for a while and he blames himself for his daughter dying because of that. Well, did he talk about that? I thought he said in this in this situation, he just said that he had a perfect life. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah, no, I'm and then jumping in ahead. the other one. Yeah, yeah. We get so that it, info he didn't, dump. That's right. He didn't give all those details. You're right. He just said that he had a family. Yeah. Which is obviously a lie. I mean, he had a family, but it wasn't perfect. Oh. Well, maybe by relative standards, it was perfect. Hmm. I don't know. He seemed to cry a lot when he was talking about it. Yeah, I think that was just because he he felt responsible for losing them. Okay. Yeah. But, Uh, um, yeah, so he, I kind of like this moment when he said to Morgan, like, I know you're a good man, but I think you're wrong about killing. mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, don't feel too bad when the day comes that you have to kill. Me. Yeah, I thought that was a good line. <laughs> Me. Yep, another foreshadow. Heavy with a hand. Don't feel too bad about it when you strangle me. Yep. So I wonder uh, if he was thinking about that line when he was getting strangled and beaten. 
Yeah, maybe. I take it back, Morgan. I take it back. So uh, then they um, they get in the truck to ride over to the drop, and Morgan asks who the girl is to mm-hmm. Benjamin, once again signaling his death. Uh, they come across the grocery carts that Richard set up, leading to <laughs> leading to the open grave that says "Bury me here," which, <laughs> as we have already recognized, makes no sense at all. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we have Ezekiel's moment: "It is mere luck. We are not all insane." <laughs> you did you write it down? Yeah, I thought it was okay. That, please read it. <laughs> Oh, that was all I wrote, wrote down. Oh. It is mere luck. We are not all insane. But then Benjamin telegraphs his death again <laughs> <laughs> by saying, like, no, it is not mere luck because, you know, you made us a new world. Yeah. Okay. So, so when he goes on this line of, like, it is not mere luck that, or it's all by mere luck, we're not insane. First of all, dude, you kind of are insane. You're in a post-apocalyptic world <laughs> pretending you're a king. So kind of, you're insane. And then secondly, uh, did the line seem a little... It felt like it was trying to be like very profound, but I didn't mm-hmm. find the the um the depth in it. Did you? Yeah, no. No. I I actually laughed out loud at it. Yeah, same. <laughs> Cuz I did think it was funny. Same. I mean, it's not that I disagree it's with ironic. it. Ironic. Yeah, yeah, like if you were in that situation, it would be like lucky that you don't go completely insane. Um except he is. But <laughs> There is just something about like him saying that in his kingly voice as they just come across. Yeah, because it is like this is this is not sensible at all. Like yeah. <laughs> why is there why are these grocery cards set up and pointing to this open grave and who is me that is to be buried here? <laughs> yeah. It is a wonder we are not all mad that we live in a world where such things take place. And then Benjamin is like, but you're really great. Yeah. <laughs> you made a cool playground for us to live in. <laughs> you're the king of the sandbox. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Benjamin. Yeah. It was coming. Going back to the uh, bait and switch with Richard. Did you not see it coming? Like, did you not see something off? happening like when he was when he was uh right from the line where he's like uh if you want to check it out or if if um what do you say keep your keep your guns up and check it out if you want to then the king gets out the and and i'm thinking like richard you haven't scoped out the place and you already told the king to stay in the in the truck why are you letting him out now? And so everyone gets out. Everyone's got their their uh, um, their guns up. It all just seemed seemed too convenient to me while I was watching it, mm-hmm. especially after Richard being there initially, and then right. the fact that he's talking off screen and we don't see what he's doing, things like that. 
it all was very obvious to me what was happening. What about you? I don't know if it was obvious. It's just that now, looking back on it, it just seems completely pointless. Yeah. No, that too. Uh, yeah. What? What is Richard trying to accomplish here by getting them to all recognize that there's this open grave? Is it like he just really wants to be buried there later? Like, even yeah. if that means revealing that he planned the whole thing? Yeah, we don't even get a name of his daughter. It's, well, it's on the backpack. We assume. You just found the backpack oh. there. He came across this backpack, and we just assume that the, that it's his daughter, but he never has said his daughter's name. Mm-hmm. And he just picked up the backpack and looked at it, and then decided to get buried there. And we just, we, I mean, it's plausible that that's his daughter, but it would have been nice if he was talking about his child and, and he name-dropped her, you know? Mm-hmm. It would have made a little mm-hmm. bit more sense. There, to me, there was just no weight. Yeah. You know? All right. So are, are we ready to go to the drop? Yeah, let's go to the drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at this point, I think we were like 25 minutes into the episode, nearly half of the way through. And I was getting frustrated because I felt like nothing had really happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a big moment here. Um, Yeah, and that was when my cable cut out. It was right when Ezekiel was, like, holding out his gun, and they were, like, trying... They were telling him to hand over their guns. Mm -hmm. Um, So you watched the whole thing in second watch, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't like seeing Jerry get hit. Yeah, no. It's not cool. Me either. Uh, Jared, Jared's the worst. The and worst. I will say that they got just the right actor to play that guy, the way he looks, like his facial expressions and everything. Like he just so embodies the like young Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it is since this isn't a politics podcast, I won't, get into the frustration I was feeling this morning reading about um, his unsubstantiated claims that Obama wire wiretapped him. Yep. That, okay. The microwave. You know I, 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 will, I will get into it. That is just despicable. Despicable <laughs> that you would make such an accusation against a president and then provide zero evidence yeah. of that accusation yeah. And that you would tweet about it, that you would you would talk about something so significant, such an assault mm-hmm. on somebody else's character, and you would tweet about yeah. it when you have nothing to back you up. Yep. Nobody believes you. Yeah. Nobody. Like maybe a handful of people believe you, but the vast majority, even your supporters, just like, oh, that's Donald being ridiculous. <laughs> and this is our president. I know. It's like being under Jerry. Jerry I mean, would be I mean, awesome. Jared. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jerry would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care whether you are a hardcore conservative, a hardcore liberal. That behavior is 
absolutely unjustifiable, yeah. despicable. I will call it out and I will say, like, he should be impeached for that. Mm-hmm. Like, that should be it. I agree. Unbelievable. Yeah. There's many things that I feel that way about when it yeah. comes to Donald Trump. But yeah, maybe we should start a political podcast. Yes. <laughs> Just political <laughs> rants. <laughs> Those will be the two and a half hour long podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been off Facebook um, lately. Mm-hmm. I'm on a Facebook fast. And so I don't read this stuff nearly as much mm-hmm. anymore. And it's been good, I think. Like, I don't have that much energy to be outraged all the time. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> um, that one got through. That one slipped through. I saw that. Mm-hmm man yeah i almost wanted to break my facebook fast to go on facebook and write something about it right even though normally i stay out of it because i was like this is just it i can't handle this anymore i have to express about the madness that's going on yeah did you i know this might be a little bit of a political rant but did you hear about like did you did you watch the interview between one of fox's news anchors and uh Bill Nye, about global warming. Yes. That was so painful. That was so utterly painful. (laughs) That was uh, Tucker Carlson. Yes. I couldn't believe, could not believe someone would speak in that kind of manner. I know. On public broadcast and insult someone by saying that you're not a scientist when the man's made his life on science. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think technically speaking, it is true that Bill Nye is, is technically not a scientist. I, I don't think he has a PhD or anything like that. Really? I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Uh, but that doesn't mean that what he has to say is invalid. Right. Just as Tucker Carlson is not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> you couldn't even mistake it. It was like listening to a fifth grader on the playground, just the way he was like, I'm open-minded, you're not. Mm-hmm. It's like, boy, does someone have something to hide here? I think someone's a little insecure right now. Like, I don't know yep. how anyone could watch that and not see through him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and And the constant cutting off. Yeah. I know. It was unbearable. Yeah. And, yeah, I know it's not a, this is not a uh, political podcast, but I'll just say, like, if you doubt that human beings play a role in the planet getting hotter, ask yourself, why? Why do Mm -hmm. I doubt that? Mm Mm-hmm. Because it is true that, and unquestionably so, that the bulk of data supports that human beings are contributing to this. Mm -hmm. Now, is there any doubt? I suppose there's some doubt. There's always some doubt, right? But why would you choose to indulge the doubt? And why is it that there's one whole side of this argument that chooses to indulge the doubt? Could it be that Mm -hmm. there's a profit motive? Could it be... Mm -hmm. That if we have to change, we'd actually have to sacrifice and like corporations that make a lot of money right now will cease to make as much money. 
and we'll have mm-hmm. to like have regulations in place that will keep their profits from going up as high as they want. There's no profit motive on the other side. So if you mm-hmm. have two sides, one side is about sacrifice, the other side is about money. Hmm. Guess which side has reason not to believe the truth? Like, sure. It's yeah. just so simple. One hundred percent. Like I well bet put. Tucker Carlson has like like instructions coming from above that that are saying, um, you know, you've got to push forward this agenda. Mm-hmm. because probably whoever owns Fox is tied up with those corporations that like make money off of global mm-hmm. warming not being true in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the way he's arguing, it seems personal Yeah, and emotional. Yeah. So I know that it's not necessarily that he's being fed this information and he knows it's false. I'm sure he's being fed the information and buying it with all of his money. Mm. You know, some people are only willing to listen to one side and and not hear with an open mind what the other side has to say on any argument. Right. You know, and it's just foolish. Right. It's true. And of course, everybody needs to be gar- on guard against that. Um, you know, I, I as passionately as I will hold certain opinions, I want to be able to hope hold them loosely enough that I'm open to being changed by mm-hmm. evidence. And it can mm-hmm. be hard sometimes because, like, if you defend something as strongly as I just did and then somebody presents evidence that disagrees with that, it can be wounding to mm-hmm. your pride to feel like you have to backtrack and be like, oh, okay, maybe I was wrong. But I do want sure, to be yeah. able to, to do that. Um, and I think we should all want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I agree. It does seem like we're living in a time where people are exceptionally unwilling to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost as if there's an agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk about Gavin's way of uh, controlling the saviors. Okay. And governing his little posse as opposed to the way that... Simon May or Negan May. Sure. I like Gavin. Yeah. He's a good character. Yeah, I've I've liked him since the first episode we saw him. And I think I mentioned this in the in our podcast where we saw him that he uh he embodies a certain kind of uh empathy that when i saw it the first time it looked like fatigue like he Mm -hmm. was tired you know and then he mentions in this episode look i chose this path not because it was the uh the um path that i liked but because it was the least stressful and this is making me stressed so essentially he wants the path of least resistance he wants to be water, so uh, he chose the path of the saviors, and it's it's uh, stands to reason that he is potentially an empathetic person because he doesn't want. He's a rule follower, but it's not like he wants to 
unconsequentially, unconsequently, unconsequently, my God, why can't I speak right now? <laughs> it's not like Gavin wants to kill someone just for the sake of killing someone like a Negan or a Simon. You know, his motive isn't to just kill. His motive is to just get by without, you know, with like the least amount of uh, friction possible. So when he doesn't bring the right amount of lemons or melons, um, his reaction seems to be, uh, it seems to be reasonable because he's more upset at the fact that he has to go back and and report that uh, that the king didn't bring his due right. than he is like uh, killing someone or not killing someone uh, than he is. Um, you get my point, yeah. Um, and so. When he threatens to kill Jerry or Jared, it was nice because it felt like his he didn't choose a side based on um, his loyalty. He chose a side based on reason. You know, yeah. like you killed their people. What do you think they're going to want to do now? Right. They're going to want to kill us. Yeah. If they had a chance right now to kill all of us, they would kill us. Yeah. And you did that. You're an idiot. Yeah. So, I don't know, I yeah, I like I like his I like his deliveries too. Mm-hmm. Like you see it in his face when he finds that he had the gall, not the gall, but he had he had the courage to ask them how the kid was. Right. Yeah. And when he did, you see it in his face this empathy that like, ah, oh, crap. Right. The kid's dead. Yeah. Well, you could feel that. Like I felt like there was a duality to it. That there one part he was like crap. The kid's dead and it's our fault. And then another part of it was like, man, that kid really didn't deserve to die. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard to get a read on how much his reaction was one or the other. I, I definitely felt like it was a feel, It was <clears throat> rooted in a feeling of, oh, no, like this is going to get everybody really upset. And, and yep. you know, this could cause problems for us later. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you that I think Gavin's character is interesting. Uh, he is. I think we'll see a pairing up with Dwight. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they'll do more with Gavin other than just what they've done. Um, I hope so. Yeah. Um. So Gavin notices that one of the melons is missing, but before he says anything about the melon being missing, he tells them all to hand over their guns. And he says, you either need to hand over your guns or you need to try and use them. Uh, they end gives up, them the option. Yep. They end up handing them over. And then he explains why. Because one of the melons is missing. And, like, this is a group that gets an emotional. So if you were to bring that up while they still had their guns in hand, that could be problematic, I guess. Uh, the Ezekiel says, no, I counted all those myself. There's no way one is missing. It is certainly much ado over one melon. But uh, I suppose with the way that uh, that the saviors operate, there needs to be an expectation that whatever command or wish they have will be fulfilled exactly. So, mm-hmm. And that you see this in the last episode with the other drop with pigs. You know, yeah. he says, you only gave us 11. And then uh, Ezekiel's like, 
look again, like he said this time. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of foreshadowing as well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Again with foreshadowing. Yep. Now, talking about this from Richard's angle, so Richard takes the one melon thinking that it's going to upset the saviors enough to kill and specifically to kill him mm-hmm. and only kill him. So yeah, as we've recognized already, that was definitely a um, risky move and mm-hmm. a lot of variables that he couldn't control that he was expecting to turn out a very specific way. And of course, they do not. Benjamin gets shot. Right. So they take, they take Benjamin to Carol because he's bleeding out so quickly, and mm-hmm. I guess Carol's a lot closer. And he dies pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of his last words? <sighs> I don't know. It seemed so like, seemed like it was trying way too hard. And I don't even get it. Like the afflicting pain on your enemies is afflicting pain on yourself. What does that have to do with any of this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so this is actually one of the few things in the episode I really liked. Okay. Sway me. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that him saying that, like they wanted most of us to think of the the like the first thing they want us to think of the first thing, but then later think of a second meaning. So the first meaning on the surface is that he's like saying, you know, to injure an opponent is to injure yourself. And like, therefore don't go and kill them all. You know, I've learned Mm -hmm. to be a pacifist. And if you go and kill them all, then you'll be injuring yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think that the second meaning is really the way we're supposed to take of it, take it when we think about it, which is that, the saviors have just injured themselves. How so? So by killing Benjamin, they have basically ignited a war. They've <clears throat> this is creating the spark that is gonna come back to bite them big time. Is that what Benjamin's saying? I don't know what Benjamin's saying for sure, but I feel like the show is is saying that to us. And I hope that's what Benjamin meant. The point he's making is like, the saviors have injured themselves. Which is what Richard was initially trying to do. Right. I don't know if I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like he's telling him, he's te- he's saying that he's a sacrificial lamb, essentially. But well, I don't even know if he's like trying to make that point so much as he's just trying to say if what Morgan has taught him is true, the saviors have just injured themselves. Right. Hmm. And I think that that will come true. Yeah. That's fair. Hmm. So. Okay. I'll buy it for now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
So then we get the montage of Morgan's rage. Thoughts about this? The montage of Morgan's rage. Yeah. What did you think? The the end of the end of Morgan being Morganish. <laughs> I at, in the moment I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really care that we got that montage. I think it was impacting in the sense that it brought you right back to where he was because he's, he's unstable and we're, we're remembering that like that Morgan isn't the most stable person in the world. So at this point, I don't trust Morgan. And I think, I think Scott Gimple wants us to now think that Morgan is going to like even off and, you know, this is going to be the, the new Morgan and he's going to not be a pacifist, but not be extremely violent. But I think we're going to get the clear Morgan again. Really? Which is tired. Yeah, I really do. Mm -hmm. I don't think Morgan knows how to be sane. Hmm. Like it's either one extreme or the other. Okay. Because he says he's going to go off and kill everyone. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) All the saviors. Yeah. Which is just dumb. It's like he's throwing all logic out the window. I know. The logic that that the pacifism brought him. Right. Which is good logic. Uh, He's throwing it out the window. Yeah. And this will lead us shortly into why I started this whole podcast by saying I did not like this episode. I mean, there's... There's all the elements that I brought up so far, which is like the predictability and the slow pacing and sure. But the thing that really like made me go from just sort of like mild um just being unimpressed to like actively disliking was yeah. what happened with, with Morgan at the end. And <clears throat> now this particular moment with the montage, like I kinda liked it because I felt Morgan's rage in that moment. And yeah. I liked how it was like this, you know, swirling emotion in his head and kind of reminding us of everything that's built up within him. And um, just like this intense frustration, which I think and I hope is really ultimately directed towards the saviors Yeah. Um, of just like, you know, the saviors are like this wall, you know, that's just like impenetrable and anything you like throw at it just seems to bounce off. Sure. And we've just been reminded of that over and over and over again this season. And Benjamin dying was like, okay, you know, oh, yep, we get it. We get it. The saviors mm-hmm. are impossible to deal with. And, and, um, and so that, that rage that Morgan felt like I felt that too. And so I liked that moment. And I also thought it was both kind of funny and fitting that, uh, he just like kicked the bucket sort of like sadly when uh-huh. when the montage ended because it's like he has all this rage but then he just what are you gonna do you know and just uh-huh. kind of awkwardly kicks the bucket um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but where things went from here is where i mean on one hand it's the most interesting aspect of the episode it's certainly the most um unexpected aspect of the episode in my opinion Mm -hmm. but it's ultimately for me the most frustrating part too yeah so um so yeah we we get the conversation between morgan and richard next well it's not even conversation it's just richard talking for a long time yeah i mean i thought 
you know, the actor that plays Richard did a good job with it. Um, mm-hmm. He was uh, he was pretty strong in that scene, probably because he knew this is it for him. <laughs> yeah, he's he's done. Uh, but I I did think the Walking Dead does this a lot. You yeah. get these like um, exposition dumps mm-hmm. or like info dumps where we didn't once care, but now they expect us to care because we get all this information at once. Yeah, why don't you just try building it up? <laughs> Right. Like, I would have liked to know about his past throughout the past, like, five episodes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It would have meant more. Yeah, I I, I hear that. So, yeah, he, uh, Richard tells Morgan about how he lost his family, and uh, for a while, I guess he still had his daughter with him, but then his daughter died, and initially, when he was in this camp, he sort of just assumed that other people would take care of important responsibilities, and he didn't really get involved. And he feels responsible because he feels like if he had made these problems his own and acted first, then things would have gone differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's all about acting first. So he, I guess he's he's trying to make up for things. Now, <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because... Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know what 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 comes from here is Morgan killing Richard mm-hmm. uh, in front of the saviors. Mm-hmm. Now, the first time I watched it, when it was over, I said to myself, "Oh, maybe Richard and Morgan planned that out." Mm-hmm. Hmm. But because I thought it just seems so crazy for Morgan to do that, and because we know that Richard has said multiple times that he's willing to die for the kingdom. He mm-hmm. has tried to die for the kingdom. And I remembered him saying in this speech to Morgan um, that we need some way for them to believe us. Yeah. And then we need to strike um, when their guard is down or something like that. Yeah. And so I thought that Morgan was basically giving to Richard what he wanted. And that sort of softened the, um, the horror of what Morgan did and what seemed like a um, doing something so contrary to what his character has been. Hmm. However, um, when I watched it the second time, I looked for clues as to whether or not they had planned it out. And it's basically stated very clearly multiple times that Richard did not know that was Morgan was going to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought maybe there's some way around it. <laughs> But mm-hmm. there's not. I mean, in this conversation or in this speech that that uh, R- Richard gives to Morgan, he says, like, you know, because my plan backfired, essentially, like, now I'm going to spend the rest of my life making up for it. I'm going to, like, lead lead the kingdom to charge against the saviors. Like, I'll be, you know. Right. So Richard doesn't have any plans to die within the next 24 hours. He's mm-hmm. now planning to... Um, serve the kingdom in a different capacity yeah and the whole time that richard is telling all this morgan's kind of glaring at him yeah and um i i guess i'm not sure whether or not morgan feels rage towards richard and it seems almost like he feels more rage towards Richard than the saviors. Yeah, 
No, it does. And that to me seems completely unjustified. Mm-hmm. Especially for Morgan. Mm. I mean, you can think that Richard had a stupid plan. Yeah. But you've got to at least give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't want Benjamin to get killed and he didn't think Benjamin was going to get killed. Right. And ultimately, who killed Benjamin? It wasn't Richard. It was Jared. Yeah. Um, but you get this sense that Morgan is genuinely angry at Richard. Right. And that when he strangles him, part of it is taking out frustration against Richard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's all directed towards Richard. Yeah, and I just felt like I just don't feel that yeah. towards Richard. I feel like a mild annoyance, but my my like rage is towards the saviors. And to think that Morgan, obviously a character that I've supported the last couple podcasts and really like, would feel such anger mm-hmm. towards Richard doesn't make much sense to me. For sure, yeah. Um and yeah, other clear uh, clues that, you know, Richard was completely blindsided by this, you know, when they go to drop the one melon, mm-hmm. uh, Morgan says to Richard, like, did you tell Ezekiel, you know, did you, did you tell him what you did? Yeah. Uh, as Richard said that he would. And Richard said, not yet when we get back. Yeah. And I, I agreed with how Richard uh, um, wanted to do it. It made the most sense to do it later and not need to address it now, which makes me feel like Morgan had more of an emotional desire to do it than Richard did, which, yeah, again, makes more sense because, like, how are you going to hash this out right now? Emotions are going to be flying and you're about to do a, a drop with the saviors. Right, right. It just makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't get it. Just Morgan's whole whole attitude here. I think he's insane. <laughs> I do. The guy is unhinged. Yeah. You know, there's no mild manneredness in how he's doing things. Mhm. Now he's like fashioning a a spear, you know, and living off the land again. This is not going to be good. Right. Right. So, as you pointed out, um, Gavin asks how the kid is doing, how Benjamin is doing. Mm-hmm. There's that long, awkward pause, and then he's Jared or uh, Gavin is really upset. Yep, and that makes his character more interesting. Yep, um, and uh, you know how much of it was empathy for Benjamin, and how much of it was just, oh, now you've screwed things up. Now it's going to make our lives all more difficult yeah i think it was more the latter but i think there could have been some of the former in there too i do too um i wish he would have killed jared though yeah that would have been nice yeah (laughs) nice to see yeah he definitely threatened though and uh who knows if jared's gonna make it back i think he will because i think morgan's gonna kill him later yeah probably yeah with with that uh staff that he is turning into a spear (laughs) so So, um yeah they go to get that one melon Mm -hmm. and richard goes to hand it over and morgan morgan goes to town yeah on him 
uh, strangles him with his bare hands, yeah. and it is not quick. No. Either. It was disturbing. Strangulation is not quick. No. Yeah. Um, weirdly, you know, Ezekiel and company just kind of watch. Uh, they don't try to save Richard. Well, Ezekiel says stop. Yeah. And then Gavin says no. Yeah. So if, I think if Ezekiel and them tried stopping him, because I know, because I felt that way while I was watching it, but then, like, it made sense that they wouldn't be able to do anything even if they wanted to. Right. But Morgan just overturned the king. Yeah. He did something, like, dude, you killed someone that was, like, the right hand to the king. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he's the knight in shining armor, um, and they've known him since the beginning. You waltz in with your, like, pacifism and everything, and all of a sudden you turn this leaf <laughs> in a moment of rage and and defy what the king is telling you. Yeah. And you do it in the name of the saviors? Like, essentially, Gavin tells him to keep doing it, and he does keep doing it. Yep. Yep. This is complete defiance. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this was like a royal kingdom. Uh, Morgan should probably be, he should probably be taken up on a noose yeah. <laughs> or executed or something. Like seriously, like if this was a kingdom, that wouldn't stand. Right. And then yeah. at the end of the scene, the king is like, hey, you should come back with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something else that bothered me about the end of the scene is that Ezekiel seemed genuinely more surprised that Richard had taken that melon in the first place than that Morgan had just strangled him to death in front of them. He was standing there, he was standing there and his eyes were wide and he was like, he, he set this up or something like that. And I'm thinking, you should be saying, you just killed him, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, yeah, like, let's, let's weigh how surprising those two things are. Like, Richard took a, le- took a melon or Morgan just strangled him. Like, yeah. I'm going to be more shocked and disturbed by the second thing. Oh. Even though the first thing is upsetting, it's, yeah. For sure. Not on the same level. And, and even accounting for Richard's incompetence, that doesn't qualify someone to be executed. Yeah. Because that was like, that was just straight up homicide. Right. Yeah. Psychotic homicide too. Oh, yeah. And it was complete apath oh well i wouldn't even say it it was it was so sociopathic it seemed like he just hit him like knocked him out with no expression on his face out of left field and then just choked him to death Mm -hmm. there was no humanity in that whatsoever no yeah this is why the episode really really bothered me because it just seems so out of step with what we've seen from Morgan for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I do get that he has a history of being insane, and we've seen that before. But right. it seemed to me that the process that he went to come out of that was such, such a significant process, and it was something that was, like, a, a permanent conversion. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there couldn't be developments 
you know, growth past that conversion and as yeah. there should be, but that, that like to have regression back to where he was is just, I don't know. It, it, it like undermines the initial conversion <laughs> and yep. it, um, yeah, I, I would be happy to see Morgan develop a more nuanced pacifism, uh, but I don't want to see him regress back into crazy. And yeah. it was just su- such a sharp switch back into crazy. And I don't think that anything happened that justified that switch. Totally. Like, the only thing that happened is this kid, Benjamin, died. And I get that Morgan cared about Benjamin, but he's seen other people die that he cared about. Yeah. And, like, there's no reason for Benjamin to just so awaken um, his own feelings about his son that he completely goes back into crazy mode. Yep. Um, 100%. So, yeah. I just I feel like his character really took a serious hit, and, um, and uh, it makes me sad. Yeah. I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. I don't really have anything to add to it. I'm I'm upset with the ending overall. And I'm upset with a lot of things, but like I said, the pacing and and things in in the beginning and in the middle, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah. So So my numerical rating for this episode is a five. Okay. Um, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to give it a (laughs) 5.5. Okay. And uh, I just really hope that with only three episodes left, we're not going to have one episode that's all about Oceanside. Or one episode about one person. Because, let's face it, we need more. Yeah. 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 All right. Until next week. All right. Signing off. Over and out.